0: It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to the Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert
1: wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight's forecast a freeze is coming. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unequal Sequel My name is Dave, I'm one of your two hosts for this very exciting podcast And
0: I'm Rich and I'm the other one of your two hosts of this exciting podcast Think of me as Woody to Dave's buzz I'm a cowboy and he is a sad strange little man Who has my pity
1: Oh, thanks. <laughs> the premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests for their best ever sequel, worst ever sequel, and finally their dream sequel.
0: And of course, we often drift off course and just have a chat about movies in general. And in this one, life in general, really. Mm.
1: On today's episode, we are joined by Lewis Arnold.
0: Lewis is a TV and film director. You may know from his brilliant work directing Broadchurch, Uh, Misfits, Banana, Des and most recently the hit BBC TV show Time starring Sean Bean and Stephen Graham and written by Jimmy McGovern. Critically acclaimed, everybody's absolutely loved it and we managed to very very luckily get hold of Lewis just before he started his next project. Mm.
1: Huge hit, very excited to sit down with Lewis and Chat All Things sequels with him.
0: And these are Lewis Arnold's Unequal sequels. Enjoy.
1: If you got offered a sequel as a director, how would you approach that? How do you approach it now And how would you approach it if A it was sequel like a, I mean it would yeah.
2: depend It would depend on the material I
1: think everything always depends On the material
2: I mean look I mean the, the biggest Kind of franchise in the world Really is a, a series of sequels In many ways they're not You know And I'm talking about The Marvel franchise You know I'm a huge comic book nerd You know A lot of what we we're talking about Tonight when you asked me uh, A lot of my choices Have been around Comic books And graphic novels And, and that world And I, you know I think you If you were going to go in And do anything And one day I would. I hope that's my ass Inspiration really is to to be a part of the, the mcu whether that's on tv now because i think that we're at a point and have been at a point for many years before marvel got involved i think we've been at a point for the last 10 years where um, you know story dictates format so we are at a point now where i develop shows and projects and at the start i don't necessarily go on developing this as a film or i'm developing this as a tv series or whatever mm-hmm. like, you kind of develop the story and it kind of tells you what it wants to be and then it is a film or it is a tv series it's a free part or it's a six part it's a returnable i think that's a really great place that we've been in for a while now where story can really dictate format and I think that if I was, you you know, when you are coming on to those kind of shows which are long-standing, you have to understand you have to ignore a little bit what was done before because you are you and you have to bring you to that project but you have to have a huge understanding of the world, the story, the characters. probably could but I wouldn't recommend directing anything with Marvel unless you knew the layers and complexities of all the relationships and all the characters through the MCU and I think that goes as far as the graphic novels. I think most directors that work in that world know the source material uh and I think that's right I mean I, I think you you have to do your work you have to know um the history of what it is but then that also goes as you know if you were going to direct Jaws 2 or anything really I think and I mean I love Jaws 2 and also I I kind of have a special affinity for it even more so now because my editor's father directed it so wow. uh and Jono you know and there's so many great stories about it but even before I met Sasha and, and started working like me, Sasha, I've always loved Jaws, Jaws 1 and 2. And I think three, there's parts of three that I really like. But as a kid growing up, I mean, Jaws 1 is probably one of my favourite movies. But 2, you know, I always remember—I used to remember them on how they, how the shark is killed. Like, that's kind of like how I remember those movies. And there's loads of great stuff about that second one. The whole sequence at the end where the kids go off in the, the boats, you know, they're hunted by the shark. is a great, like, set piece. There's so much amazing stuff in the second one. But what I mean by what I suppose what I'm saying is that, you know, the, even films like that and speaking to people like Jono, who, who's, who's made them, you know, you have to understand the source material. You have to understand. And so I think first and foremost, if you ever approach a sequel, I think you have to love the first one, and, and mm. but you have to also understand the source material, but also have an idea of what it is you want to do with it because you can't just repeat the formula think that's where you can slip up where something feels slightly formulaic or you know and horror films in particular can fall into that I think because they, they can use sort of the same templates that they've yeah. used previous films to create sequels and, and it's about trying to keep something fresh and original as well I think
0: uh, horror mm-hmm. and comedy kind of fall into that like comedy sequels are all next to impossible because how are you funny again freshen it up that much while we'll still keep the same character characters without telling all the same jokes all over again that's that's where we very few
2: comedy sequels that are successful is that because you, certain comedies and certain horrors aren't written to be more than one movie I, yeah. and that's generally where a lot of things fall apart is you know like marvel is such a success and i talk about marvel because if you think about it as a franchise they have them they 10 years now 11 years they have the most sequels the most spin-offs of everything and it's not really a spin-off a lot of them focus on separate characters but if you just took the avengers and all the characters that are figuring the avengers then there's enough movies there for you to judge that but the thing that works about that is it's a continuation of a longer story that's, that exists in the graphic novels and the comics. Mm. And, and I feel like that sometimes the problem is, you know, you have a hit movie, a hit comedy or a hit horror or a hit whatever. And it's like, there's such an appetite for a sequel that the story's stretched in ways that the audience don't go with it or don't believe it. And the filmmakers, I think, sometimes don't believe it. Um, whereas films where I think the sequels are successful feels like there was more story to tell. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I glad didn't mention Jaws four because I think me and David the revenge.
2: That, I, I you know I always bad. remember. <laughs> I haven't seen it. For I've seen one, two, and three. Like. I mean, I've seen, I saw one and two, I see I see one and two quite a lot because they're always on, they're always on telly. And I watched three about a year ago and in four, I haven't seen four for like, maybe like 10 years. Yeah. But I always remember the scene where someone's on the top of the boat on the hanging down and the shark just kind of comes up, opens its mouth and they drop in. And then I
0: forgot that Michael Caine was in it. And when someone said to him, have you actually seen Jaws 4? And he went, nope, but I've
2: seen the house they paid for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's fair enough. Like if you've got a family and, you know, uh, it's easier yeah. for actors to sort of move on from a bad film,
1: yeah, especially if they character.
2: have a career already. But I think it's more trickier for crew who are judged mm. more, maybe more harshly on on that.
1: Do you remember the first sequel you saw, and what was the first sequel you got really excited about?
2: No, I don't remember the first sequel I saw. I mean, we grew up with an age of VHS, where like you know, uh, Gremlins. Two, maybe, and things like that. I mean, I think I saw Gremlins 2 before I saw Gremlins 1. But the sequels were just a part of our life. They were always on telly. They were always, you know, VHS. Maybe it was different for our parents. I remember being the most excited I was. I remember the build-up to The Phantom Menace and being in year seven at senior school. And my oldest sister, because none of my family were interested, taking me. And I remember my mate at the time, um, David York, we were at school and he'd gone to America. And he it was when films came out in America, like four months before they came out in the UK. And he'd seen it and so for four months he'd been telling me all this stuff about how amazing it was and how brilliant it was and so I just got this man, and you know the, the build up to that movie was so intense and I remember going with my sister and just loving it I you know like I would have been about 12 but I remember Phantom Menace like I know it got a lot of negative press and I, I, it, look it had a bad ride from you know old, like Simon Pegg openly and started you know spaced there's all <laughs> streams of space about his hatred for the, the trilogy that George did that's,
0: but, that's always but, what I think of I always think of. Spaced when I hear him burning his toys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Goes to the job center and saying, I got sacked. And she goes, Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's great. Yeah.
2: but I mean, I loved it. I was a kid and I I loved it. And, you know, I think that there's that great thing in space where he said, you know, someone says to him, you know, he says, yeah, but, you know, Jar Jar. And someone says, yeah, but the Ewoks. And he's like, you know, it's like, I think it depends how old you are, who you are. But I I, I really love Phantom Menace. But I just remember being so excited. I remember coming home and I remember they did the little Kellogg's cornflakes. and things and we used to make stop frame animations out of those and I just remember that being super pumped about that movie maybe it was in year nine maybe I was a bit older but I just remember being super pumped yeah and then seeing it like two or three times at the cinema I remember
1: going to see that with my dad mum and my dad knows nothing about Star Wars and he comes out at the end at Phantom Menace and he goes so the little kid that was Luke Skywalker right and I was like no dad <laughs> bless you
2: well, I mean, I do, I actually took, I do remember the, f- the first sequel. So actually remember they re-released star Wars. Yeah. Like four years before phantom menace came out, they did a re-release of all three films.
1: 97. I think that was. Yeah.
2: And they did like pogs. They, they, they did like special pogs that I collected and it was in Ta- a Tazus Tazus. That was it in the walkers crisps. I collected yeah. them. And uh, I went, I did, I missed, I didn't see new hope, but I did go and see empire strikes back. And, and, as a kid my favorite Star Wars movie was Return of the Jedi which like people get really upset about <laughs> because they're like how can you like Return of the Jedi but as a kid like like I loved Empire like I love but there was a lot of Empire that's like got bigger themes and there's you know there's a lot of love uh, themes around love and uh you know there's much bigger thematics at play uh, uh you know about family and all this stuff whereas you know like Return of the Jedi kind of goes back to the basics, like. A, a new hope and it's very much like kind of good and evil the the first sequence on tatooine with with the rescue of han solo like that film the end on endor the palpatine the whole movie just is so glorious you know if i was going to put one on i would always put return of the jedi on
1: oh amen uh,
2: and i remember seeing empire and return at the cinema before phantom menace and like loving them but i'd already kind of seen them so nothing kind of compared to that kind of excitement of but even as an adult i mean like God, if you would have seen me... So I went to the press screening of Endgame, Avengers Endgame and me and Russell T Davis spent probably six or seven months getting those tickets in Infinity War came out I just had my baby and I saw it like three or four times at the cinema we just had our first and so I went to saw it and then saw it again and then we went and did baby club and so my wife could watch it and as soon as it came out me and Russell were talking about it you know he knows how much of a nerd I am and obviously he you know he wrote Doctor Who and I think he just understands that, love and that understand. world and so we always kept in touch and then loads of the alumni from Banana ended up being in so Hannah's ghost in Ant-Man and Wasp. And then Letitia Wright is obviously uh, in Black Panther and Infinity War and, and Endgame. We've always kept in touch. And to the point that he was like, how do we get tickets? Like, can we bribe some of the cast? Like, how do we do this? And it just like, and then literally uh, John Wardle at the NFTS knows how big of a nerd I am. And about a month before he was like, I can get you a ticket. If you can get Russell T. Days to do a masterclass at the school, I'll get you tickets via Disney to the press screening. So I just literally, so I hooked that up and like the weeks leading up to that and Infinity Infinity War, but. Definitely Endgame. I have ne- like even as a sort of thirty-five-year-old man at the time, I was so excited, and I was in LA literally the week after, and I went and saw it again in an American theater, and then I came back and saw it again. I saw it like three times, but that first time, I I was one of the few. I jumped out of my seat at various points, about to be pulled back down, you know. And I think that the fact that cinema can do that, and that, you know, like you could argue, Endgame is the greatest sequel of all time mm. because in many ways, you could argue that Endgame as a sequel isn't just a sequel; it's kind of wrapping up 10 years worth of storyline and with that in mind Endgame is possibly one of the greatest feats in storytelling history in terms of its ability as a sequel as a you know as a franchise you know in what it does as a franchise it's one of the greatest movies ever and look like I know that loads of people aren't into Marvel and there's you know you have the hardcore fans like myself and then you know one of my friends who's a director can't stand all that stuff and has a real issue with it because he thinks it's ruining cinema but you know I think there's a place for all of that as long as we can still find places for things like nightcrawler and mm. you know more interesting indie cinema I, that excitement that you get from a movie i you know i still get and i think it's more palpable with a sequel because of the expectation and and the buzz that that creates than an original film like you know for example dunes coming out soon and there's other mm. films coming out soon that you know i'm excited about but with a sequel you've got such excitement and anticipation that that movie going experience is just so yeah so yeah. exciting best screening i've ever been to of any movie and and even when the card came up and it said five years later the gasp of air out of the room everyone just went oh. there's no one expected that kind of like which marvel are gonna yeah, yeah, about five years of, of time like they've been living with this what a brave thing for the russo brothers to do and, and the writers to just go you know what people have been living with the the sort of blip for five years boom done so whoa that was such a you know, killing Thanos in the opening sequence, you know, cutting his head, all that stuff. It was just, it was so brilliantly conceived. I loved it. And it's, look, I've got problems with it. Like considering Ant-Man at one point says, you know, we've only got enough for one trip and back of the pin particles. And then he uses a pin particle and he comes back. But then when he goes back to the past, he shrinks and, and grows loads of times to sort of get the the stones. He's really small, isn't he? So you kind of go, well, how many did they actually have? Anyway, there's a few things like that, indiscretions like that. But I completely forgive them because the film is just joyous. That was so amazing. It's amazing. It's not a documentary on time travel or on, you know. So um, I, you forgive it so much.
1: Endgame, really good. But What's your pick <laughs> if, they, if they don't make the grade? What is your number one best sequel ever? today to me,
2: i think the best sequel ever made and there's loads of them i mean i, I you know end game would be there because i feel like it ties up not just one movie and it's not following on it's kind of doing so much you know there's other marvel movies i think are great i think uh, cap america winter soldier is an incredible follow-up and absolutely a thousand times better than cap america you know winter soldier is completely where, for me, the whole Marvel franchise gear shifted into a different direction of films that were just, you know, were just not comic book movies. But, you know, because for me, Winter Soldier is a political thriller. It's phenomenal. But the, 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 the film that I think for me as a film that kind of when you compare it to the film that went before and even just as a movie, I think it's one of the... It was probably in my top five favourite movies is The Dark Knight. I mean, I think Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight is undoubtedly one of the the greatest sequels ever you know more so than aliens because i think aliens and alien which you know i thought about aliens because i adore aliens and i prefer it to alien but alien is they're different movies you can't yeah. really compare them whereas the dark knight and and batman begins whilst batman begins is a brilliant film and i adore it i think the, the dark knight for me just completely tr- it, it goes beyond the comic book film it, as a film i think it's just p- brilliant the dark knight is the only film other than maybe end game but even then not to the levels of the dark Knight. but the dark knight is the only movie i've ever, I've ever watched where i generally felt threat i generally felt like the good guys weren't gonna win mm. and that it was never going to be you know in end game it all kind of gets resolved and fixed to a certain extent there are still losses but in the dark knight you generally feel that you don't the fret and the intensity of the threat from the joker is just i just think that film is just a, a a masterpiece it's just it is just outstanding
0: but perhaps unsurprisingly you're not the first person to pick Dark Knight you're in quite good company so we had Sean Walsh on episode two and uh, and Dark Knight was his favorite film as well and I think yeah I think we're going to have Dark Knight come up
2: a lot favorites because you're right it is it's just when right, I'm changing I'm anyway. changing to Endgame no I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not you know I mean it, the thing is I think a lot of people will pick a similar movie because That movie, regardless of it being a sequel, I think would be in people's top 10, top favourite films of all time. There is just something about the development of the character of Batman that he does in that film. But the the character development he does of lots of people within that movie. But like I say, for me, like the Joker and how that was realised and the threat... And the level of tension that just comes off the screen, the twists and turns, you know, I just think it's a. I just think it's a. I think Heath Ledger's performance is just one of the most frightening things I've ever seen. It's so good. I think Christian Bale holds it all together as well. I think the speech by Alfred about trying to burn the um, the bandits out of the 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 woods, the forest, that whole sequence, and the analogy about you know some men just want to watch the world burn, and all that stuff. I, you know. and then I think there's something really relevant about the whole idea of police stating and the fact that he has this system at the end that has ultimate control to be able to police state a whole place and lock down anybody they want to and, and that he hands that over. And I just think it's, it's saying so, so much. You know, And the, the fact that he took Batman International as well, I think people forget how... Oh, yeah. he, how brilliantly that was, how well executed that was. That whole sequence where he gets the guy back and, you know, like he takes Batman in international and it doesn't ever feel cheap or it feels totally authentic and, and real. Yeah, I, I just, I think it's really, and a really impressive film. And I think we will I had high expectations for it, but it, it just over-delivered on any expectation I had. It was flawless. I think I don't have a single, you know, unlike Endgame, where there's a couple of plot points that I'm like, that quite you know ant-man and how many times he can go small and back when he goes Mm -hmm. into the past you're like uh and then there's a couple of other things in that movie that i think are a stretch to sort of you know for example cap goes back in time and doesn't come back on the portal but comes back as an old man which would suggest he's been living in that timeline the whole time and you kind of go but Mm. if he's been living in that timeline wouldn't he have changed things or is he you know peggy wouldn't have done it kind of messes with the idea of so there's lots of things in that film that, and I've listened to the directors and the writers try and explain them. And even the writers and the directors have a slightly different opinion on them. And it's fine. It doesn't ruin the movie for me. I don't have any questions or issues. There's nothing in the dark night that I go that's slightly contrived, but I'll buy it. It's like actually it's pitch perfect from start to finish. It's an incredible
1: film. Is there any particular scenes that you really love?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the whole chase. I think the whole chase um, with taking Harvey Dent to to the prison and and that whole sort of you know and the Joker in the slaughter van and that whole sequence is is outstanding. Yeah, you know, I, I just think the whole movie is just like wonderful. Uh, and as a trilogy, I think, the film, the, I, I I was really disappointed by initially, I think, because, and I think it was always going to be, a bit, and I think this is one of the problems with this franchise, I, I think I was disappointed with Rises initially. And when I went to see it at the cinema and I saw it twice, I think, I felt slightly flat. And then I've revisited it, you know, more recently. I like to re-watch films and I revisited it a few times in the last sort of five, six years, and I've enjoyed it a lot more. And I think that's because we come to films like i say with especially sequels with ante- anticipation and baggage mm. and it's quite hard sometimes especially when you've had a middle film as good as the dark knight you know which is possibly like i say one of the, the strongest films let alone been a sequel to to then improve again on that it, it's such a feat and actually the dark knight rises is a brilliant movie and if you look at the films as a trilogy it's a brilliant trilogy but if you compare them next to the the middle film which you can't help but do at the time it's always going to slightly be flat uh, more disappointing experience but actually you know
1: the movie um the movie's the movie's great do you remember being really excited before it because of the build-up and the trailers
2: i was excited as much as it was excited Heath like that, casting oh well, yeah yeah i didn't have any expectation for that um i've seen the joker being done quite I've never really, I think the problem is we've never really seen the Joker being done particularly. I mean, I love Jack Nicholson's Joker, but it was more in line with maybe what I grew up with in the Adam West sort of, you know, formula of a villain in that franchise. And I'd never really seen anybody do, what I think Christopher Nolan did so well was again, you know, I think the Russo brothers do it as well in a way, was, was to take these characters and put them in our world. You know, like mm. it feels like it exists. Yeah. It feels like gotham yeah. is very real so I, I didn't have at that point i don't think i had any expectation about the joker i just was excited because i really like batman begins so i was really excited to see what they did next with it uh, and I, I love christopher nolan as a filmmaker so i was excited about the fact it was christopher nolan again but the trailers were great and i was i mean we went i used to work in birmingham on broad street and we went really early to uh, press screening or something because. We knew the guy that run the the Cine World over the road, and so we were invited to an early screening. It might have even been like the night before. They did like a, a a staff screening to check the print or whatever. Like- and then we went again like five days later and watched of six, it was that good. And I, so I remember I was excited, but like I, it wasn't levels of excitement that I experienced now. I think some some, of, I feel like the Marvel franchise at the moment, is you know, taps into my, that levels of excitement because I think what they're doing on 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 the scale, they're doing it. But also, you know, Marvel, I, I read more Marvel. As a kid, I read Marvel and I adored Marvel and I still read Marvel. I'm, I'm currently reading um, House of X and Dawn of X. Um, so Dawn of X is a, a new sort of, Alliteration of um, the X Men. Yeah, what Marvel do is great, but as an adult, I think I'm more ironically more drawn to DC, but also to Image and the independent graphic novels. I've just picked up a lot of Hellboy stuff this week, and I think that I think only after, only when I re- watched The Dark Knight was like, I realized that it was tapping into kind of the other the graphic novels that I kind of fell in love with. You know, around that time, you know, um, the Long Halloween, The Dark Knight Returns, things like that. In terms of its tone and its levels of threat. You know there's a graphic novel series which was after that called earth one and uh, it's phenomenal uh, and there's a serial killer in it that's killing loads of girls and there's a sequence where batman falls into this down hole and lands on this pile of bodies and the graphic novels never shied away from that with batman and and i think that i genuinely felt that fret and that sort of that chaos you know the dark night that i'd
1: never felt before oh, this is yeah. interesting because we'll go on to your worst in a minute because is this the Batman you always wanted when you were reading the comic books when you were younger? Or is this what were you visioned? Well in I think your head? I think
2: Tim I think Tim Burton, I think Tim Burton did a really great job. I really enjoyed it. I grew up with Tim Burton's Batman. That, my Batman was Michael Keaton, and I can't wait to see what they do with it on the Flash film that yeah, they're yeah. making at the moment. No, I was so like I, I felt that you know Keaton had kind of nailed the Burton had kind of done something quite it's quite poppy actually, but darkly poppy. It's beautiful. Um There's something still beautiful about those movies. But the the thing with the Tim Burton ones is, uh, you know, I grew up with them. They're still very, when I mean poppies, they're still quite caricature, but Batman is well on but the villains are quite the big because the Mm -hmm. Batman was always and I think Tim would I think Tim has even said this in interviews Batman was successful because Batman had really great villains like the villains in Batman were almost better than Batman and I think you can see that in the successful more successful films they really tapped into the villains and created great villains that work, you know, well with Batman. But what Nolan did was for me was he created a three-dimensional Bruce Wayne and Batman. Like I think Christian Bale's Batman and the journey of that was incredible and that's why that film sort of elevated beyond the Keaton films because I find Michael Keaton's Batman although he was kind of the Batman I grew up with he's really unaccessible inaccess- you don't really ever get a sense of how he feels what he's going through you're quite remotely sort of watching him and that's why you get drawn into Jack Nicholson and you get drawn into Danny DeVito and you know because actually Michelle Pfeiffer because actually he's quite quite unreadable quite inaccessible. whereas what Nolan did was create in that first one Batman Begins a Batman that was holding accessible and you understood his choices when he was not being but actually you completely understood his journey his reasoning you know who he is so I think that yeah I mean for me my my I think I'd already felt like they'd started to pull my Batman but I still don't think we've ever seen a, you know, I don't think we'll ever or have ever seen, you know, if I think of the Dark Knight um, Returns, we've seen versions of it, but I I don't think we've ever seen it. I'd be interested to see what Robert Patterson and um, I mean, Matthew Reeves right now is probably my favourite director. I think Matthew Reeves is working in a space where he's creating really artistic films. You know, you think of those Planet of the Apes films, War and Dawn, they're not actually summer blockbusters. They're really like beautifully expensively told independent movies. That gets sold and consumed as summer blockbuster. He's the smartest director out there, or one of. And I'm sort of super excited about, about him and and what he's doing. And from what I've heard, he's doing a detective movie. Cause that's the other thing that there's less of and, and Nolan did bits of it in The Dark Knight mm. you know the investigation of the bullet all that kind of stuff starting to see Bruce Wayne use his detective and his intellect uh, I feel like I'm just going on a massive rant about Batman but no I think
0: no it's, it's, about to get, it's about to get better the one we're going to talk about in the middle your worst sequel I've never seen before and I watched it especially for this podcast so let's announce what it is
2: Let's go. Well, on so, to I it. mean, so look. First of all, I need to. I need to basically. This was the hardest thing I've ever been asked because I, I wow. don't. I don't like trashing films. I don't like trashing TV series because I feel that I know how hard it is to make stuff, and so I never like to sort of like. There's lots of films privately that I might have trashed, but doing it publicly and and on the record is tricky, and and so I don't like to do it. So I've kind of picked a movie that for me reflects my disappointment, and I kind of picked it because it kind of tied nicely in from talking about one of my great, the greatest sequels for me, the dark Knight. but my probably one of my least favorite or least favorite sequels of all time was, was Batman and Robin for many reasons, really as a, as a filmmaker, I can look at it and respect that they made it and they were really bold with it. But then for me, and we were just talking about Batman, you know, George Clooney is not a Batman for me. He's brilliant at, he's so charismatic that Mm. Batman is not charismatic. Mm.
0: He's a better Bruce Wayne than he is a
2: Batman. But I don't even think he's a better Bruce Wayne because for me, (laughs) you know, like Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne isn't charismatic. Bruce Wayne is another mask that Bruce himself is wearing. And the reality Mm. really is that he's really Batman and Bruce Wayne is the mask. Whereas George, you always believe that he's more comfortable being Bruce Wayne. But with Batman, you should always believe that Batman is more comfortable being Batman than Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and the actual, you know, I think that's what Christopher Nolan got so successful is those scenes of Alfred, which is, you know, you know, he's natural. He's not wearing the, was more in tune with what he was doing as the bat but the bat was still like a kind of, he was still projecting into the bat because he was trying to create this symbol. You know, Batman and Robin, I forgave the the previous one, Batman Forever, because I, love I Batman what, Batman. because I think That's what they, well, again, those two movies, I've seen them both at the cinema. Uh, I would have been really, I, they really young. They came in 96, I think, or something. I would have been a kid, a, re, a young kid. And I remember being particularly excited about both of them. And I remember I liked Forever because I think they delivered on Robin. And I think Chris O'Donnell, I think, saves that movie. And then I also was at the time, you know, I was a huge Jim Carrey fan and I kind of went with that as well because I think you know as a as a kid at that age Jim couldn't do any wrong in your eyes because you were quoting him from Ace Ventura at school and you know like so but as I, you know I've revisited that movie as a as an adult and it doesn't yeah. hold up for me anymore but worse than that you know Batman and Robin and the problem I have with it, and I think it ties in with what I started talking about very early on when you asked me about doing a sequel, was it felt like the filmmakers on those movies didn't understand the source material. And actually their source material was the series that was done in the 80s, not the graphic novels, not the not the world that had been built, not the characters that had been built from the source material. And I know that the source material has got even darker over the years, but I mean, even, I, I just, for me, there's so much brilliant stuff and there's so much untapped stuff with Batman Nightwing you know what happens with Jason the the alliterations of the Robins like, all of it's so dark and you know we've seen that it's been you know Zack Snyder hinted at it in Batman versus Superman with the fact that you know you had Robin's costume with the the Joker graffiti on it and there's a sense that you know that Zack wanted to do something where we finally see that the Robins murder at the hands of the Joker and, and hint, I mean the Red Hood is a great storyline Jason's story is the red hood is great a great storyline and there's so much great stuff out there i just feel that you know batman and robin is an example of kind of i don't know like they kind of got away with it with forever and it it just Mm -hmm. kind of lent too far and i remember as a kid i kind of enjoyed it you know watched it and kind of didn't think anything of it but i also think around that time goldeneye came out as well or goldeneye came out one goldeneye came out when one of them like forever came out because i remember literally
1: forever was 95 And I believe... So I think Goldeneye came out when he forever came
2: out. Goldeneye came out and that run of... I would say
1: Goldeneye came out as when Batman and Robin came out, if I had to take a guess off the top of my head.
2: Whenever it did. I remember Goldeneye changed things in a way that... um, Pierce Brosnan's Bond's, this, well, the first one, Goldeneye in particular, and Tomorrow Never Dies, I don't know, there was something grounded in them and something that I just... and I think five Goldeneye. Really? I was wrong.
1: Well, Sorry, Lewis, you are totally right. <laughs> yeah, so, so
2: Forever and Goldeneye were roughly the same time. Wow. So, so coming off the back of those and then kind of getting another kind of like, you know, seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger, so, so getting his, the, the villains, doing a song dance, aren't they, in the cold or something. I don't know, bits of it just started to feel a bit too... And the one-liners don't quite... Were.
0: I think it's absolutely okay to trash this movie. Being as both, <laughs> let let trash it for Joel you, I'll let, yeah. There you go. I'll let you do well, it. Joel Schumacher came out and apologized for this movie for a start. So I think he knew it was nonsense. George Clooney's quite famously quipped, "I think we've killed Batman," like at the at the end of the film, and has also been known to give people their money back who pay to go and see this movie. Well, I'm still owed. Like,
2: some, oh, well, there you go, George. I'm still owed some money. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and I think it with inflation, you know, nah. I counted the ice puns because that's the sort of guy I am, and I make it 28. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a lot of puns. That's and I watched this puns. with my wife, who'd seen it before, and I've never seen it before. All, all the way through it, she's like, oh, God, you're going to hate this bit. Oh, you're going to hate this bit. <laughs> and literally the first thing she said to me was nipples. And I'm like, what, what? I don't know what, I get the yeah. nipples thing, and then like that's two fun. seconds into it, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it's just like Magic Mike.
2: What am I watching? It it was just insane. I think it's uh, because of hindsight as well. When you compare (laughs) Bane 2010 to Bane 1997. They look like they pumped him up um, with a bicycle pump. I mean, Bane is... Frightening. It this the scene where Catwoman leads Batman to Bane and they fight and he's like, you know, and Tom Hardy's doing the whole, you know, I was born in the dark. Oh, know? born in yeah. the dark. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, you only adopted it. I was born in the dark. All that, but that whole sequence, the breaking of the back, which is famous in the graphic novels, all that stuff is just, just so brilliant compared to chris chris o'donnell and um alicia silverstone (sighs) being throttled, and doesn't one of them just kick one of his pipes out of his neck or something it's It's like crazy it's all one liners as well
0: there's no actual dialogue in it it's literally just one liner after one liner there's nothing the editing is awful dave and i do this this other podcast of all about baywatch and It's it's ridiculous, Uh, but the editing on Batman Forever just uh, sorry Batman and Robin made me think of Baywatch. Yeah, because the the editing on that is so crap. Like we complained about the editing on it all the time, and this is the same. Like the wire work, what was with the wire work in this? Like,
2: it's just like, I think the must, biggest problem it's, it's got insane. is it, 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 it doesn't know what it's saying. So I think with Batman Forever, you've got the whole idea of legacy, and there's a whole thing about you know like the burden of what Batman's doing and passing that down and allowing somebody to hold that, take that mantle. And whereas this film felt like it was saying something about fathers, but it doesn't ever really
1: deliver on that. It mm, doesn't we'll get there.
2: Yeah, it, I, I felt that it was. I and I also don't think the villains particularly worked work no. well
1: together either. I think you're being polite, Lewis. <laughs> I
2: am totally being polite. Like I say, I don't know. I, I know, know it's trying to be comic. I know.
0: I know it's trying to be a comic. And that's okay. But you can be dark and comic. Like Batman is dark and comic. The, the um, Tim Burton Batman is comic and dark. And that's what you expect. Like the villains are comical and Batman is dark.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't and sell I- toys, does it? And this one was there to sell toys. I mean, it sold toys to me, Dave. I had Batman toys. Oh, this was a toy advert
0: the whole of it. I had a Batman lunchbox after that first Tim Burton Batman. Yeah, but they're thinking more
2: They're thinking action
1: figures, action figures. This one, oh, yeah. do, you not, done do you not think I that don't any? Think but do you two. not think? But do you not think any Batman film they would have put out would have got figures? No, I mean, no, you're right. But this one was that prime time when everything was getting figures. Like Last Action Hero got figures, you know. Which Jurassic is a phenomenal
2: Park, movie. Jurassic
1: Park were getting figures. <laughs> was it the? Um, uh, was it Return of the Jedi figures? They turned into Robin Hood figures. Uh, like the, the base, stuff like that. Oh, a lot, I
2: never, never knew that.
1: A lot of toys, uh, films, are like, oh, let's just do action figures. Robocop had figures. Terminator had toys at some point, um, point for Terminator 2. I do a, think... That's a bloody I, I suppose
2: it, I suppose it ties in with the toy thing. I do feel that if you watch Tim Burton's, what they tried to do with Schumacher's two films was keep playing the audience younger. But the yes, problem that right. they forgot was me as an audience was getting older so I kind of grew up yeah. with you know Keaton and Burton and then by the time I got to Schumacher just about stomached forever but by the time I like I say I'd seen Golden, and I was starting to see more you know like, it just didn't land it really didn't you land. can
0: make a toy advert with more gravitas than this Hmm. I mean, Transformers the movie the 86 Transformers movie Here we go probably my favourite film of all time which Isn't film? Transformers the, 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 movie animation, movie. the animation the animation yeah the 86 animation probably my fa- favourite film of all time it's an hour and a half toy advert it's basically Hasbro getting rid of one line of hey, toys the, the first trans like
2: I, 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 I a, I'm, a big, I'm a big defender of Michael Bay at times because I think you know um, uh, he's uh, <laughs> he created some of the greatest films you know some really like Bad Boys is phenomenal the first Rock. one The Rock but that yeah, first this, yeah. that first Transformers movie is great Preach it really is it really is a great film. Like, it's all right. I, I remember watching that. I remember seeing that. That was the only other time I've been in a cinema where Barricade first changed. People in the audience just went mad. It was yeah. a midnight screening. That's um, the best bit,
0: is they, they animate, they the animate this. The whole end The whole end sequence, the
2: whole well battle in great. the end sequence is brilliant. It was the first time I'd watched a movie where there was like a 40-minute all-out battle. Problem is, the first one was so good the that the, the rest of, just yeah. tried to up the ante <laughs> in a way where I don't... I, it, it, kind of lost me a bit well the second yeah, one I they think, lost the uh, way in,
1: in the writer's strike they they started a, a film of like that with no script and they just making it up on the way and, you and again really i also tell. don't
2: think i also yeah. don't think they knew what they need. the problem with those movies there's a, there's a real flaw for me is that um in every movie megatron had a different massive end plan like so in the first one his plan is to like you know get the all spark or something i can't remember yeah, yeah but yeah. then in the second one his his plan was never to get the all spark it was to go to the fallen and to turn Earth into Cybertron and then the third one oh no actually his plan was that the dark side of the moon there was some shit that it's like what was Megatron <laughs> like hang on when Megatron turns up and he's after the Allspark what the why is he after the Allspark anyway so there's a whole thing in those movies where I kind of go you've changed Megatron's grand objective every movie to suit the narrative of the movie and like that's
0: the whole thing I think you were saying like you're saying is not understanding the source material and not yeah. understanding where you've come from you know because you know there's 400 comic books of Transformers that you can take you can take from well I I saw. I things. thought
2: Bumblebee was. I thought Bumblebee was great. The, uh, great. And
0: the opening in
2: Cybertron was just outstanding.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Bumblebee's um, really good, and that's, that that opening is really good too.
2: And like I said, the Transformers movies, like all of them, are watchable. Like all, of, and I know that there was that great thing where Shia LaBeouf didn't he watch all of his movies, <laughs> and like during the Transformers, famously, like he did a marathon
1: of like thirty six hours. Yeah, his ones and, are good.
2: No, but and every film, the tra- the two Transformers films, he just went to sleep. He just yeah, he, he, he fame or the three, the three of them, he just He's so in Those, three of them, those yeah. were the films he basically slept through, and the rest he. But, but I mean, about, I, what about I, the other two? They, they are awful. Uh, I I really like Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> so like, I rewatched ironically last night. I couldn't sleep last night, and uh, so I watched I, I watched Loki, and then I, I watched Planet of the Outs with Mark Wahlberg. Why people, hurt yourself? People, what? People, yeah, people hate that movie. I like really movie. like Mark Wahlberg. Okay, it's got
1: good prosthetics. That's, that's oh, the, 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 the prosthetics
2: are brilliant. And the, yeah, I mean, look, there's certain things in a movie an actor can. I, I, Mark Wahlberg. So I, the one with the first one with Mark Wahlberg, which has the dinosaurs in it, it's the first one with the dinosaurs, isn't it? That one, I, I kind of didn't mind that one because I quite like. I really like Mark Wahlberg, and but I like yeah. the Dinobots, but it was and too long. Like, exactly. It, oh yeah, but all those movies are slightly too long. I think. I Rich, think I feel do. like you're a huge I, Transformers length nerd. Length. I'm not. So oh, I'm I, a I massive think-
0: Transformers nerd. I really am. So you know the. The way you are about a Marvel, being a Marvel nerd, I'm a I'm a Transformers nerd. But yeah, like I say, like Batman and Robin though. Thank you for putting me through You're that for bringing um, it into your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, I was saying to Dave last night as I was watching it, the worst film I'd seen before that was Alien versus Predator two, and uh, okay, that yeah, that yeah. beats this because it's only an hour and a half long and I'd sit and watch this for
2: two hours. And what, Batman and Robin yeah, is two is hours? Long.
0: Two hours long. Yeah. Two I hours of my life.
2: life. <laughs> I haven't seen it for years, but I can still remember all the release really sort of the, the one. I remember the bit where he freezes Robin and he goes, cool off, bird boy. Uh, I remember so <laughs> yeah. many of the ones. Chill out.
0: Yeah, yeah, there are, they were definitely going for being quotable. But that was great. Isn't is there a sequence where they're in a
2: rocket and they have to surf the doors of the rocket ship oh down? Oh, my to, God. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to re-watch it. I'm going to have to re it. Do you again. know who's not bad in that it, though? really
1: wouldn't Do you know who's work, not bad? though, would it? Who wasn't no. bad? It's like Uma Thurman. Everyone in this film, I would say, tries... I don't think there's a problem not, with I mean, any of the actors
0: in this movie. What what could, what could can you do with the script? I, I'm presuming the
1: script is I mean, you went to the because... credit card thing. You would definitely cut that out, right, Lewis? As oh, director, my God, God the back that. card. Oh, the what back
2: the... card. Oh, God. I mean, like, but that's what, that's, that's
1: a serious... Never leave the house about it.
2: It's a serious lack of understanding and care from the source material. Like, there's no way, logically, if a back credit card would ever work without you being out. Do you know what I mean? It just doesn't make any Where sense. Where does he keep it? Oh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it gets as ridiculous as do you remember in the TV series where the shark's on their foot and he passes Robin like the shark bats <laughs> the bat shark spray or whatever to yeah, get yeah. the shark off the ladder or you know it's like it yeah. gets to levels of ridiculousness where he's got so many things in his bat belt for every occasion. They're on their way
0: to go and fight Mister Freeze. They don't find out that the guy they're fighting is called Mister Freeze until they're on their way. And then when they get there, they've magically got boots that ice skates pop out. The of. ice skate boots, yeah. To, to just have those for like they wear them all the time just in case. Like, what? Yeah. We have to talk it's about Alice Silverstone just schooling in England. She had, a, she had a terrible time in this as well. But in I, I can't her, really...
2: Yeah. She's quite forgettable in this. One. She rocks
0: up um, as Alfred's niece. And he was, you've come all the way from England and she's still wearing her school uniform. Yeah, like, that's what? it. I remember this. She it gets changed. Like a... She does not... What's her accent? Like, she's just got a normal American accent. Like, what's that all about? Wasn't it like Oxbridge
1: she went to? Or yeah, somewhere? Oxbridge
2: Academy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I feel sorry for them because you know like the actors are all great actors it's just um the film just doesn't it, it almost feels like people are having too much fun on it. And people forgot to actually <laughs> like make cocaine, I would say. Well, I mean, but it feels think, like people forgot I don't think Alicia Silverstone
0: had fun on this movie.
2: But she she cut out a
1: lot, didn't she? Because they well, said she they put said on weight. She, yeah, she put on weight. Really?
0: Cut her out. Yeah, yeah. She, she came awful. out a bit with anorexia. That's so
2: bad. But, I mean, right. I did I did wonder how... I was going to ask you, because I haven't seen it for a while, Rich. Uh, that's how much I don't like the movie in terms of I watch every film like three or four times, but this is one of the few that I kind of it does poison ivy i remember they kind of like those parts of that were a bit even as a kid was slightly awkward and slightly because like it's all about it's oh, all it's about her sexual proness and seduction isn't it but i remember there were mm. bits of it that i felt were like i don't know like in that wouldn't hold up in a 2021 gaze basically that you'd kind of go that's not well that's not that's I a bit there's,
0: yeah there's definitely fair chunks of it that you wouldn't but then I'm I'm desensitized from watching all this Baywatch now, so like, maybe I'm not the best person to ask because I feel like I'm in like feel like I'm in 1992 already. But yeah, I mean there were it didn't feel comfortable a lot of in a lot of things. But I think, like you say, I think um, Boomer Thurman probably comes out of it the best.
1: Yeah, well Schwarzenegger's career did a bit of a nosedive dive after this, because apparently, when he had a heart operation, and no one would employ him. Procure. end of days yeah. was after
2: this wasn't it I that, loved was that was 99 that wasn't his I next loved, job i loved end of days just for just seeing him go really dark and just yeah sort of, i just Great. loved it man
1: that's so good and um, this got only 3.8 on imdb which is so far the lowest film we've <laughs> yeah. really how many <laughs> heard, votes do you know how many votes i didn't look at that I, i'm looking right
2: now <laughs> 237,000 votes. Wow. <laughs> it's only got 3.7. Elvin Thurston's down, it? in it as well. the Elman Thurston's
0: in this. Yes, yeah. Yes. But she, she has all of three lines and like just stands around a lot and doesn't speak,
2: which is pretty She plays his love bad, interest, doesn't she? So yeah, no, it got rid of Nicole Kidman. I mean, I thought Val Kilmer was um, not a bad Batman because I think he understood the inherent darkness
1: more I in a way. I think he
0: refused to come back for this movie, didn't he?
1: he, he there's many stories he was going for a divorce during What he, he,
2: he chose to go and do the island of dr monroe instead did he? <laughs> he's like i'm not gonna do batman i'm gonna go the do same that thing with me. brando he did, he did, the, did same, the same yeah. oh,
1: okay. i think he was going for a divorce for during forever so he was angry all the time anyway
0: which is uh we'll because right? that ties into your next choice
1: yeah. Um, oh shit, yeah, it does. He didn't go on with Schumacher. But this killed Batman, and I like afterwards, Joel Schumacher came back afterwards and was like, oh, I wanted to make it, the next one's going to be darker. I wanted to make the next one darker, but obviously it never got made. <laughs> obviously you're going to say that now after that gets panned. And that wasn't it, it was going to be called Unchained at one point? I don't, think, then, I don't
2: know how you can take George Clooney and what he'd set up there and take it any darker anyway. I mean, like... no. no. This, this was voted as
0: number one in Empire's 50 worst films so wow uh, definitely a good company like
2: officially the worst film ever <laughs> it makes you feel less bad about panning it doesn't it in no a way it does especially yeah. especially, I, I, I especially when you told me it. that everyone involved in it has panned it you kind of go okay maybe i've got a bit of license to to kind <laughs> of go you know, have a I think go
1: the
0: people it. that made it realized that it wasn't a good movie and
1: i think r kelly um, did the song so let's get in a oh, dumpster i forgot about <laughs> that as
0: well yeah you know, like we do with Crystal Skull with Indie 4, yeah. where we just pretend it never happened. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what I wonder if they're going to so pretend it right? never
2: happened. Oh, in the Robin, new one. I wonder if the new one is going to acknowledge Crystal Skull or if it's just. That's How so I
0: can because Crystal Skull never happens.
2: <laughs> but the thing with Crystal Skull is, I don't think Spielberg thinks it's a bad film, does it? I've never heard them say anything negative
1: about the film. The only film I've ever heard Spielberg get negative about was Hook. And I love Hook, and I can't understand how you can say anything negative about oh, Hook. I love <laughs> Hook. Yeah, What's Hook's bad great. to say about Hook? It's, it's just not film. what it's not the film he wanted to make. Apparently, really, but, I think it's. Well, absolutely... We know it's the same age, pretty much. We must have seen it in the cinema, and I wanted to be a Lost Boy at that point, like oh, so man, badly. Just, I can food. still, qu-
2: I can still quote it, like word. For, you can fly. You can fight. You can. <laughs> the scene I, I watched it not that long ago. The scene where Rufio draws the line in the sand and the little boy goes up to him and pulls his face, and he goes, yeah. "There you are, Peter." Yeah. Oh man, I that that scene get like gets me every time. And then they all stand
1: with him, and then they have the argument. Ah, oh, it's a beautiful film. Do you remember a bit, what one would be the most disappointing? Then, if you're just off the top what, of your head. Most...
0: yeah. So it's not like the sequel is necessarily a terribly bad movie. No, it doesn't like, have to be bad. It's
1: just, not... just you're so hyped. Oh man! For example, give you example: The Matrix, Matrix Two. It's not a bad film. I, I
2: loved, I loved Reload, uh, Reload. Okay, that's your. <laughs> Do you know why? Do you know why? Why Re- that that car chasing in Reload? Oh yeah,
1: that is absolutely it's magnificent. magnificent.
2: Is still possibly, other than Ronin, the greatest car chase sequence in any movie ever. It's so good that freeway sequence. Oh, it's like, great! I saw it not that long ago. It still holds up. The VFX aren't great anymore on Matrix. Like, in fact, they like they were doing too much body replacement when the body replacement wasn't quite. They looked like computer game characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, RoboCop Two was nowhere near RoboCop One. But I wasn't old enough to be anticipating it. It was like they both when I when I was old enough, they were both on VHS, so I didn't have that. It wasn't like you're waiting years for it.
0: So you really like Phantom Menace. What about Attack of the Clones?
2: Oh yeah, that must be. Because for me,
0: because for me, that's that's the worst of all of them. Well,
2: <laughs> I I didn't love it, and then I built myself up for Revenge of the Sith. And how did you love that one? And I told myself that George had kind of saved it all for that, and that we were going to get this amazing movie of this kind of like, and that was possibly one of the biggest disappointments of my there life. We go. there. We go. Um, there we, that, go. That's nice. there I, we go. I can still watch that movie, <laughs> but it's that film actually. I remember being really upset by that film. I remember feeling really like let down. Just I, I, I don't think I've ever felt let down by f- many filmmakers because I feel like it's an art form and you can't really be let down. But I feel, and I felt let down by people around him as <laughs> well, like no one giving notes to him and saying, yeah. really? But as a movie, that film, like that would be the one I would have wanted to direct. Like Anakin turning into Vader and all that stuff. And, how early you do that and you know the all of that stuff and it just didn't it it doesn't doesn't work and it just doesn't quite bits of it are great like the bit the order on the execution of the order of the jedi, uh, jedi
1: that sequence hmm. is really nice you know it hits the beats but it doesn't probably Well, at that point, Revenge of the Sith had what, how many years? You knew what was meant to happen in that episode, didn't you? You knew that Yoda was going to end up in Dagobah. They were going to, Obi-Wan and Anakin were going to fight. Uh, Padme was going to die. The twins were going to get separated. Uh, All the Jedi's were going to get wiped off. It had a lot to do, that film. And it never, like you said, it's disappointing. That's, yeah. Lewis, that's the correct answer.
2: All right, fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna overcook it then. I'm just, you know. You look disappointed. Oh, well, as now. soon as you said it, it's because I remember that I felt. I think, like every Star Wars fan, I think we all. Whenever you mention it, I think, and because I was one of the few people, because of my age, I think that really bought into the Phantom Menace and what he was trying to do. And I kind of went with Attack of the Clones and was like, okay, yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't feel great about it, but I was like, you know, uh, maybe, you know. He's got I mean.
1: one more to say. That
2: like that's why I felt I felt like he knows something we don't mm. and I think we realized that he didn't know anything that we <laughs> didn't and it didn't the film didn't really do or deliver and it was I mean look I mean JJ showed there was just too much reliance on VFX because Force Awakens is stunning yes it is as is the Mandalorian and it's like yeah I think the reliance on VFX was just so uh, misjudged And I get it, they were trying to pioneer in the same way they had back in the the 70s and the 80s, but it's like, it, it, you know, it, it's not Star Wars. It's something all, authentically, you know, touchable and, uh, yeah, and real. And, it, it lost mm. the heart, didn't it? That's the thing. It's it, well,
1: when you when you put Yoda as not a puppet,
2: but then I mean, it should have been an amalgamation because they wouldn't have been able to do the things they wanted wanting to do. Yeah, you know, oh, like okay. some people, some people had a problem with Yoda fighting Count Dooku and then immediately grabbing his walking stick and stuff. But you know, bits like that, I didn't hate those choices. Those were choices that I kind of respected, but. For me, it was the overall kind of, I don't know, the, the possibilities for that movie were endless. Like, yeah. wow. And I feel like other other filmmakers are realising that world far better than George was in the latter years. You know, I think, you know, what John Favreau and Dave Fellini I think it is have done on yeah. Clone Wars and then on The Mandalorian is brilliant. I mean, Clone Wars is really, really great and I also, you know, I really dig Solo. I, 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 I that, that film for me got really unfairly crushed by critics, whereas, like, I think it's a really good film. I really like it. I think Woody Harrelson's a brilliant in it, I think. I think he's great as Solo. Yeah, uh, he's great. I like the story and the story has, it's a coherent story. Like it works. Like I, I really like Solo. I'm going to say that on the record because I, no, think, you're I, think, allowed? I think there are a lot of people that, that that hate on that movie. For some reason, like everybody loves Rogue One, which I really enjoyed and hates on Solo. I think both movies work really well and are different. And what I liked about what Disney were doing, and I know there's issues that, from you know the rumors that are, are out there and i don't know if there's any truth behind them that gareth edwards didn't finish rogue one and mm. obviously the the phil lord and chris thing you were kicked off yeah, solo that, yeah. for, for ron you know like but i like that what they were doing was they were giving parts of a franchise over to filmmakers to be brave and to just tell these stories and i kind of feel like i hope they don't rely solely on um the tv series that they're doing now and i hope they still do that because i you know i would love so it's, I, I personally would like more singular Star Wars movies because I actually feel where they were falling down for me is when they're trying to do trilogies. Because the last trilogy, the last two films of the last trilogy didn't work for me. I think Force Awakens was genius, and they didn't quite deliver on the trilogy. Mm. Um, and well, they I didn't know they
1: didn't know where they were going with it. They've admitted which is yes.
2: the po- I think this the kind of point. It's really, a problem with a trilogy. It's like single single movies work for that franchise now. Yeah, right. I think, and you could do so much stuff with that world. You know and hopefully disney plus series like the boba fett one will be really great as well
1: so you're a you're a george lucas fan are you well which we so brings us on to our next see so what i've done there
2: <laughs> uh could have done it twice you had val kilmer and you also had yeah but I, you
1: know you're such a good talker of film it's good to let you go <laughs> uh, right so yeah. what is your dream sequel uh...
2: Man, this was really hard. And there was and, and the reality is there's loads that I came up with that I was like, they've already done it. So like the Dark Crystal, I've always thought for years and years and years I'd love to make a Dark Crystal sequel. And they did it, and it was fucking beautiful and brilliant. I don't know if you saw it as a prequel not a sequel, but it's still. I'm not gonna. Lie. I'm. I'm a little bit scared of puppets. Oh, so, dude! It's So, just, Dark it's, Crystal, D- the Dark Crystal series, Labyrinth is my wife's favourite movie. That would be really? on her dream sequel list. Oh, but wow. um, the Dark Crystal sequels, the, the Dark Crystal prequel, and it's a real shame that they're not. That Netflix have canned it. They're not going to do it yeah, anymore. Is, and I'm so praying. But, yeah, so uh, they, yeah. They, 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 the last episode was just brilliant. And, you know, they set it re- really beautifully up to do a, a, a massive thing. And they just, yeah, they... And I think it's because it was so expensive to make. And I don't think lots of people watched it. I think it's the reality. So there's loads of movies uh, that I would love to see sequels. And a lot of them are really happening already. Uh, and ironically, the one I've picked is that's filming insane. right now but it's not out yet so I feel that's like kind of like a cheat but I adored <laughs> Willow basically growing up always for as a kid and as a young filmmaker and a filmmaker in general that I would have loved to have done a follow-up that's set in her reign you know years later so you know 25 years later she's a you know she's the princess and sort of follow that story of sort of whatever it is, the darkness seeping in again and, and um, find out where Willow is and find out yeah. you know, where Mad Mardigan is. and but, but more than that, I think that the world was brilliant and what I loved about that world was pre-Lord of the Rings and even Lord of the Rings, it, there's an element of fantasy and myth and, and mythical nature to the world of Willow, but it also feels quite real. And there's there's grittiness to it as well. And I, I just I that I, I, Willow is one of those films I watched again and again as a kid. And again, there's a whole like George built worlds, and I think there's a whole world there that's really exciting.
0: Yeah. You feel like it could almost be an Ewoks movie. It could almost be on Endor, couldn't it?
1: it Absolutely almost fits that world, Dave. You'd not seen it before, is that right? Today was the first time. <laughs> you never seen Willow before? I had. I imagined I had I don't know why because just you know I'm that age now and it was that era and then I was watching it I was texting Rich and I was like I have no recollection of this I've got a recollection of our friend Matt Hyman at uni literally constantly going "And Willow the great sorcerer I couldn't remember any of it I couldn't remember the little people and that's not me being the wrong I mean the really little the Pex. You know what I'm saying, right? Oh, the... Yeah. the um, no, 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 no. The, the fairies. Brownies, the fairies. The brownies. The brownies yeah, the fairies. Yeah. I was like, I didn't know these were in it. I, t- I forgot. It was so bloody long, to be honest, if I had seen it. That would be my one uh, negative. And my normal question here is, would you bring the director back? So we're going to let you direct yeah, Ron time. Howard. I mean, uh,
2: yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. But... If Ron wanted to come back, I'd second unit for him. But, you know, okay, I'd, quite, cool. I'd quite happily take the reins off him if he didn't want to do it. I think Ron's <laughs> a wonderful director. But, no, I'd love to. do. I mean, I... I would have loved to have done the series, but yeah, one day maybe. But um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of things... That I would like to make that aren't necessarily sequels, but um, I'd love to remake Jason and the Argonauts. It was another one that I grew up watching and loved. And ironically, I'm making a. I've got a a fantasy sort of thing that I've been developing for years, which isn't a fantasy thing. That I started at university when we were at university together. That has there's a whole moment in it that basically riffs the music from um, Willow. It's like a bunch of people that love love fantasy. Oh wow, fantasy. So it's I've been, been in your head for a while then. Yeah, and I, so I watched that film. I've watched that film recently because me and Ben. Um, the writer who's ironically from New Zealand uh, but me and Ben uh, have been chatting a lot about the fantasy films that we need this sort of want a homage and and willow is one that, like willow I always hear that music that great dun, 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 James Horner wasn't it is James Horner is one of the great, who yeah, was, was awesome. one of the greatest, Blessing that that music and that that whole sequence of Mad Mardigan and the, the trolls on the bridge, and then the thing coming through the up the they are oh, just phenomenal. The whole thing's just, um,
1: do you, have, do you have a storyline in your head that you could vision if your Willow sequel would you have the Balkioma return? Do you have a separate <coughs> story. story? Obviously, you have to bring Willow back, I guess, because it's called Willow.
2: Uh, I mean, it wouldn't have to be called Willow, but yes, Ooh. I mean, I think we, and 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 Warwick Davis is going to be in. I, I believe he's going to be in the the follow up. Yes, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely would bring that community and that world back into it because I think that's what I loved about it as well. Was it was you know the every man fighting, you know, extreme odds to overcome tyranny and and those kind of. That's why I loved you know Red Lord of the Rings when I was a kid and that idea that those sort of simple, wholeful people can. You know, change the course and destinies against even the people who should be doing it—the warriors and all sorts. That—that that sort of idea of those people triumphing against all odds is in, is kind of part of our part of fiction, isn't it? The kind of the everyman fighting the—and I think Willow's story of kind of you know someone who's slightly. Pathetic and not the sorcerer that he wants to be kind of realizing his and reaching his destinies uh, and I'd just love to know where that character is I'd love to know where Willow Upgood I think it's Upgood Willow Upgood is it Upgood Upgood uh, uh, Uf- 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 yeah, 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 I'd love to know where he is and what he's doing and I always remember watching that movie I, I loved his relationship with his wife, like you're really brought into the, this is a father who loves his family. And he's, and when he's on that quest, you really, you really worry for, I really worry for it. You know, I remember the sequence where he comes out, Where it's where he's been beaten up and he's got blood on his face. And I think it's where they took a Laura Dannon and he's like stumbling and, you know, Mad Mulligan sees him. I, you know, I just remember the film that gives me all the feels. And I think, I could do. You could do it without Mad Mardigan. If Val Kilmer wasn't interested, I think you could do it without Mad Mardigan. Then you could create other characters. I think that Willow is such an integral part of that movie and the heart of that movie. You know, Mad Mardigan is such an incredible character and he's kind of the Han Solo, but without Luke, you haven't got a yeah. movie, really. He's so
1: good in this, Val Kilmer. He's so, he's so good. So good. Oh, this is, you, for me... This, this is, is, is Val classic Kilmer's Val Kilmer. Movie. Well, yeah, no,
2: yes. Heat is he, <laughs> Val Kilmer's best film. He's phenomenal in Heat. He is, by <laughs> shadow of okay. doubt, he's just... This is Val Kilmer. Do you know this? The thing about this film and, and, and Val Kilmer's performance it feels like Val Kilmer is enjoying acting and being a part of something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen Lost Souls, um, the making of uh, Dr. Monroe, the island of Dr. Monroe.
1: No, I've heard about it.
2: though. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. It's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it. Uh, he's just comes across as a really angry, like he doesn't want to be, he must've been going through stuff in his life. And obviously, you know, you know, his performance as Mad Mardukon is just, is exceptional. His performance in Heat is brilliant. And that was years later, I think. mm.
0: Val Kilmer and Joanne Wiley, meet on this movie and get married. And that's the divorce that you were talking about earlier.
1: Oh wow! Through
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so what? When he was doing
2: Batman, it was that
0: divorce. When he we was doing Batman, they were getting divorced. Yeah. So wow. that's that's kind of what I was saying. There's so there's a link. This is all going to come full circle. Yeah. When we're talking about him being angry in that divorce, they, oh, they wow. met on this movie. And there's such great chemistry between them in this movie as well. Oh, oh they're, yeah. They're,
2: they're, See, they're, they're, they're a real life relationship. Phenomenal.
1: Yeah. It's it such tell. a good Sunday afternoon film i thought it's
2: always on on a sunday on film four it seems oh, to really? always be on on a sunday on film how four. have
1: i missed it rich have you said, showed this to george yet or i have haven't went? shown it
2: to george but actually i watched it again
0: <sighs> I, I think it'd be I too scary it. for you six right He's quite grown up for a six-year-old, oh, okay. to be honest. He was not, not scared at all of Jurassic Park. I think he'll be able to take this in Australia. But you, you never know, though. He gets scared of like, he got scared of Raya, the dragon thing the other day. No, so I, I, I watched like, that. Dragon piece. Rider. <laughs> but yeah, I think he'll like this. And I, I just, I, I love how he has, one, has kind of his favourites. Um, so like Pat Roach, who's in uh, Raised of the Lost Ark. Um, he's the big guy that indie fights and gets chopped up by the by the plane, and he plays um General. How do I say it? General Cow, the guy that makes the the, the guy oh, with the, the skull the, mask, yeah, the skull mask. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. And he's which was really weird because he's he was in our name pet. Like, i was oh, just wow. thinking of him as, as Boomer or whatever his name, name is. Yeah, Boomer. Yeah, that's right. And there's just bits in this. I just watched it again, and I think. I remember why I loved this so much. You know, as a as a kid, and it came. We're talking about it, Dave, before you watched it, and I said it's in that run of uh, Ron Howard movies where he could literally do no wrong at the end of the eighties. Mm-hmm. He made like Splash and Parenthood
1: and. Has Ron, has
2: Ron Howard made a bad movie? I don't. I don't know if he has. I, I don't know actually. I can't think of one. i, mean, I thinking now.
1: I would. <laughs> I would say some of the Da Vinci Codes series. If I had yeah. to be. The, I've not seen
2: the sequel I must confess I, I've seen the first one I didn't see the There's three of them now
1: There's Inferno And there was another one Wasn't there Inferno was the last one. Uh, Angels and Demons was the and second and one. Demons.
2: So I've saw and I've seen the first two then. I haven't seen the one with Felicity Jones. Which yes. is I, again I
0: never read the books. So I was never really bought into them. So when I watched those movies, oh. I didn't hate
2: them. I thought Yeah, normally right. I didn't I didn't I didn't I, I, I genuinely don't think there's a Ron Howard film I don't like. Not that I'm trying to prove you wrong. Well no, I mean it's I like genuinely that. don't think he's a filmmaker who's who has um He's very good. It's like that bit in The Simpsons where he
0: pitches Homer's movie about the like, Back in time for some reason, and his friends are talking pie. And the producer's like, "Howard, you've done it again!" And hands of loads of money. Like he literally make anything. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he, oh, he's... I
1: have got one, and it's going to surprise you which one it is. It was uh, It's called the Dilemma with um, oh, okay. Vince Vaughn and uh, Kevin James in it, and it's like a rom com. I
0: don't know if I've seen that. It's not great.
1: It's got Jennifer Connelly in. It's like one friend knows that his best friend's wife's cheating on him, and it's the dilemma to tell him. Oh, Okay, I'm not. I'm not seeing that. But, oh, but he's done some, Frost Nixon's great, Cinderella Frost Man's Nixon's great. phenomenal. Beautiful Mind's good. Everyone loves The Grinch soul Sold Christmas. I have to watch it once a year because my wife loves it so much. I like Rans- Rush,
2: In the Heart of the Sea.
1: Apollo 13, Ransom. Cinderella
2: Man, yeah, a Beautiful Mind. I love, yeah, like you say, Grinch, Cocoon. That's another one in the late 80s one, late 80s old.
1: Mean, He's consistent, isn't he? Absolutely. He's one of those directors that can roll with the times. And he was what? seemed
0: what early thirties when he was making these movies, when he was directing these movies it's first like yeah. 1980, yeah. And yeah, like it wasn't, wasn't very old making these movies. Like no, it's impressive. I know this is your this is your pod list, and, and we're talking to you about your about your don't, I, I, I want to know what Dave's feelings are about Willow because I've never met someone who's not seen it before. Yeah,
1: I'd be so... interested to know what you thought. <laughs> I think I would have really, really loved it if I saw this when you were young, when we were young. I'm gonna put it in the same camp that I put Princess Bride, which will make a great companion piece with this. Well, have you uh, never
2: did you never see the Princess Bride until recently? I've watched
1: it in the last probably five years. And I've tried watching it a few times. I enjoyed Willow. I had a lovely time with it. I thought it was too long. <laughs> I did it's delightful. All those kind of words. Lovely afternoon romp. But it's too long. Oh, I, I don't think. I, I think it's perfect. <laughs> Even some of the CGI, I thought was. Oh, look at what they've tried to do here. It looks the CGI
0: in this is better than the CGI in Batman and Robin. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and this is ten years before that. I mean, this is. Is this an, isn't it industrial light and magic at their at their in their prime though? Um, yeah, I think
1: it was. It was definitely there. Yeah. Uh, no, I no, I I I'm. I think as like I said, if I saw it when you, we were young, I think I'd have been all over this fantasy i love it no i've got friends now who i've recently who have just watched the goonies and doesn't like it and i can't get my head around not liking it. i
2: could i can understand that i could understand like if you saw it now Let's turn this off then no <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I i love the goonies but i can understand if someone saw it now without the sort of um the nostalgia, it, it you know, it might not hold up as well as it did. The, you mm. know, like there's a lot of it that's quite that works, but it's quite cheesy that you get away with. But you know, you get away with it because of the nostalgia. I, I totally could understand people watching it now and not sort of understanding what the deal is, because you know now we've got stuff like Stranger Things as well, which kind of does similar things to what that did, but it's kind of it's it's fresh and new and it's up to date in terms of the way it looks and feels. But the Goonies is, you know, anyone that's seen the Goonies, you know, you'll never lose that. But I think it would take a special kind of like kid slash adult to watch it as a, and, and sort of like have that same feel that we have and that association we have to it.
1: It's a weird one. Another one that they've never done... A- sequel to and i can kind of disney i'm so glad they that.
2: haven't i'm so glad they haven't i hope they never touch the goonies Do you not reckon a,
1: a, a disney plus tv series no that, it's, like-
2: it's untouchable it's un you can't recast those people like you just can't like and i don't want to see another gang of kids i it, it, it's a, it's a it's a stonewall classic that should never be touched
0: it would almost yep. be like what we what you said about it part two is that they'd have to do it with adults and it wouldn't work? Like, yeah. did you not it think it, it part two
1: worked? Part part two wasn't as scary as the first one because it's it's harder. It, but... It's harder to I think scaring children is scarier. Yeah,
2: I'd agree. The first one, the first
1: one is is a better film, and then the second one again. I, not that I don't like long films, because I love Lord of the Rings is literally my favourite film. I, but I think it part two was went on for too long. Yeah,
2: I I, I don't disagree. I think it was quite. Um, again, I think it was slightly formulaic as well. I think the idea of each character having a set piece that you know what's. It just kind of. But I felt that the ending was really satisfying. I thought that the whole sort of confrontation of him in in his den. And that whole sequence, I really enjoyed. I really, it, really it enjoyed. was
1: better than the the, the TV movie with a big yeah with Tim odd with looking Tim dragon. Uh, yeah, and the, sorry, the spider, not the dragon. The spider, yeah, yeah. It was well, it was, yeah. I, I, I didn't
2: as two movies together as a sort of overall film. It works really well. It would thing. be
1: interesting to watch it together. I think if you just sit down in the afternoon, I'm not brave enough to do that because I'm a little bit afraid of clowns as well. So, so clowns and puppets. And
0: puppets. So if we get a clown, a puppet, clown, and dinosaurs, are going to freak out.
1: I tell you what really freaks me <laughs> out. I think it's Poltergeist. Is it Poltergeist one or two when the the puppet clown comes alive that's on the chair oh, in wow. the store?
2: Remember that? Fucks me. Do you ever oh. see if horror series called <laughs> Puppet Masters when we were kids? There's oh, a, we never
1: watched that. Oh, yeah. There was a
2: whole series about these puppets that like came alive, and oh, it was freaky as
1: hell. Nope. I used to really dig horror when I was little. I watched all the classic horrors, like when I was shouldn't have done. The older I'm getting, I'm I'm just not enjoying them as much. I don't know why. I just I I must admit there are certain horror films I won't
2: I won't watch because I don't, especially with kids where I, like, I don't need that. I don't mm-hmm. need that in my head. The certain the certain sort of films. Uh, I've never seen Paranormal Activity, and I'm not a massive believer in that kind of stuff. But I saw ironically saw a bit of it on Gogglebox.
1: Uh, That's the best place to watch movies. Well, you don't
2: like it. Uh, the bits I saw like that night I had to look after the baby and like, yeah, it was awful. (laughs) It was awful. I kept, you know, seeing things and, and of course, baby monitors are the scariest thing anyway. Oh my God. Baby Um, monitors should, the baby monitors
0: should be illegal because, right. Okay. Babies are bastards, right? Because they'll go, you'll (laughs) have this, you'll have this to come, Dave. You'll be listening to a baby monitor and a baby will go, you're like, oh, that's really cute. Isn't that cute? Then they go,
1: (gasps) You're like what and then they ah, you like, bastards <laughs> do they ever like... just start talking like yes. Yeah. someone else is in the room yeah like That's my, my daughter yeah my daughter came into
2: um came into our room once and and still kind of does it every now and again and like she's like it got in, got got into our room was like oh i don't don't want them looking at me i don't want them looking at me and it's just horrible like you're like <laughs> you, <laughs> you, both, you both just kind of go um uh, but it's like it is just that they're they're like us, they're having dreams and she's half asleep still, basically. It's mm. not, you know, yeah. but it's hard in the moment it's not it's not, you know. And they talk to themselves in their sleep. But and the reality is you you are slightly scared, but nothing would stop you not going in that room. That's that, that's mm. the thing. It's like I thought before I had kids that if I you know the certain things that scared you, you'd be like, hell you know, you watch movies, you like, don't go in there. But the reality is like, you know, you, you have do, to go you, do <laughs> you do you you go straight in. What's Um,
0: what's, is it impossible the the tsunami movie? Yes, yeah. I tried to watch that when George was like two months old. Couldn't do
2: it. Yeah, there's certain films I can't watch now as a father. Yeah, it took me. Yeah, if there's any like there's a TV series called White House Farm that's now on Netflix and I've been meaning oh, yeah, to watch
1: it. I watched it. Yeah, I've, seen I've been
2: that, meaning yeah. to watch it for ages uh because I, we worked with the same company that made it made Des and that we were making it that they were making it at the similar times. And I couldn't watch it because we got we'd had my my daughter and my daughter was a year old uh, and I knew what happened in the opening scene. I knew that the two kids got killed and and yeah. I just didn't I couldn't I watched it now but I couldn't bring myself to watch it for so long because because yeah like your your experience Changes when you become it sounds mad, but it really does. Like, you're, I, I mean, I never cried, you know, I'm not a massive crier, but when, when I had my daughter, if I watched DIY SOS now, man, I'm just like yeah. a wreck. Just like, yeah, I think that's <laughs> come
1: with age. I, I'm finding myself more emotional watching more things. My missus, like, looks over me and I'm tearing up at, over the stupidest <laughs> thing. I mean, I've cried at Sister Act Two for some reason that made me cry once great I sequel thought, yeah great sequel i was at home alone i was like those kids have worked really hard to get there and they're really proud of them <laughs> joyful joyful that i way. even
0: felt a little bit off about stranger things when i first watched it i was like said to my friend it's brilliant but i'm never letting george out of the house ever again yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, he's going to be 35 before I let him out the door. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, you'll get rid of him before then, believe.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, and now he's six. I'm like, he can go, it's fine. Yeah, yeah,
2: as soon as teenagers,
0: and that was Lewis Arnold's unequal sequels. It was really good to talk to Lewis, wasn't it, Dave?
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. I think I say that most episodes now, but I did also enjoy talking to Lewis. Yeah, it was great catching up with him.
0: Yeah, it really was. And we talked for a long time. <laughs> he really actually, Dave had to really earn his money as a uh, as an editor on this one, <laughs> because I think we talked for about two and a half hours and managed to cut it down to an hour's worth of podcasts.
1: There is, there is an uncut episode, but it, it goes into really random conversations between just three friends. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot I could have got rid of, which, but the stuff I kept in, he's really good, and he loves films, doesn't he? He absolutely he really does, loves them, yeah. and he loves Marvel. Someone at Marvel, give that man a job quickly, because yeah, he he would knock it out of the park. He'd be brilliant at it.
0: Definitely want Lewis directing a, a Marvel movie, absolutely, or
1: TV series. He'd be quite happy with a TV oh, series.
0: TV well. series, oh. Oh, I really enjoyed Loki at the moment. Loki is good, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, Lewis would be really good at doing a, doing a gritty one, a Ooh. gritty kind of darker Marvel TV series. Yeah, I think he'd be really That'd good. Be at it. Yeah.
1: But yeah, he's not his knowledge and his passion for film. That's why I think his TV works so good, and that' why how he's uh, done so well since leaving university. Because you could tell, yeah, you, yeah, you could tell that uni he was going to be brilliant. You could. There are those people in
0: the world where they're just naturally ahead of everyone else mm. and i think he always kind of stood out as being one of those people that just just was ahead of everyone else yeah like we tried hard didn't we dave but <laughs> yeah <Different laughs> I, levels i think it's j- just 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 a level of natural talent that lewis has that we just don't possess <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so if you enjoyed our conversation with Lewis, like we really enjoyed it, you can listen to our other conversations with other people like Helen O'Hara and Sean Walsh and many others, depending on when you listen to this, we're gonna, we've we got more coming. Uh, you can check us out on all the podcasting platforms, we're everywhere, and we're on Twitter and Instagram, at Unequal Sequel, um, so yeah, come join the Unequal Sequel party, It's um it's good fun, we're enjoying it.
0: Yeah, we really are. Makes a nice change because we do another podcast as well called the Baywatch podcast. Mm. That is essentially weeks and weeks of episodes of me absolutely hating what we're having to watch. And th- it's really nice to do this podcast because I really enjoy it. I've, I've watched so many more movies than I would have done normally. Yeah. And I'm just so happy about it. Uh, even when I've watched movies that I don't necessarily like. Thank you very much, Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Um, but, you know, even when I've watched rubbish movies.
1: So our main episodes come out on Monday. They're always the interview episodes. And then Unequal Sequel Extra. Extra! Thank you. Comes out every Friday. And they are <laughs> always related to some kind of sequel-related... Yeah. And this Friday's will be a very good one. <laughs> Yes, it will be. It will be a review episode. I think I can tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be Black Widow. You've all had a chance to watch it now, either on the cinema or on Disney+. Plus. So if you feel like telling us what you think, let us know. Get in contact with us at Twitter or Instagram or our, our email, which is unequal sequel at hotmail.com
0: and also i think we're going to have an extra episode with lewis again aren't we just just to talk about directing and his tv work and all the all the cool stuff that he's done and just it's really good to listen
1: to him really his episode's mainly going to be about his experience on time and he's got some stories about stephen graham and sean bean and what he's doing now i would say that episode hopefully will come out wednesday if you're listening to this on monday Oh, we could have an extra extra. Oh, extra extra. It's got absolutely nothing to do about sequels. So
0: <laughs> it's just an extra extra It's just gonna uh, slip in there. We couldn't leave bits of this two and a half hour conversation and it was just it was just too much gold in there. It's yeah. just too much gold and we couldn't let you not listen to it. So
1: uh, I think we should also mention Lewis's website that he put together in lockdown for all you wanna be uh, directors out there. It's called a uh, directors now and you can find it at directorsnow.com. Basically, I'm going to read the bio and then you can... Directors Now is a free document, an online resource that brings together the breakout stories of 100 directors currently working in the industry today. So if that interests you, check it out, Directors Now. Uh, that's all I've got to say. You got anything else to say, Rich? No. That's a goodbye from me.
0: And um, it's goodbye from me.
1: Bye. See you next
0: week. Bye. <laughs>